The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to look tonight at a portion of Scripture found in John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now Jesus is talking here about entering into the kingdom of God. And that's something that all of us should be interested in. As a matter of fact, that's my chief concern. And I hope it is for you as well. He spoke earlier in, earlier in verse 3 about seeing the kingdom of God. It's one thing to see something, and it's another thing to actually enter into it. So Jesus here is talking about entering into the kingdom of God. And he says... Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now this expression where he says, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, is one that has had a lot of questions asked about it. And I want us to try to see what this means because... I certainly want to enter into the kingdom of God. And this says, unless I'm born of water and of the Spirit, I cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, I've heard several different interpretations of this verse. One is that Jesus is saying, unless a person has been born naturally as well as spiritually, they can't enter into the kingdom of God. Now, in some way, that would fit the context because Jesus, or rather, uh, John says in, uh, or records Nicodemus's words in verse 4, where he says, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And then Jesus answered and said, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So that may have some credence in that he has just talked about natural birth. But the thought that came to my, my mind is that it's not required that a person be born naturally and spiritually in order to enter into the kingdom. Look in uh, Luke uh, chapter 1 and verse 41. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. 
For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. So evidently John the Baptist, before he uh, was born naturally, uh, was able to see the kingdom of God and to some degree was able to enter into it. Because it said the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Speaking here of that which Paul describes in Galatians 5.22 as a fruit of the Spirit. So evidently that can't be the correct interpretation. I've also heard some say that when it says born of water and of the Spirit, that water is referring to baptism. Now, first of all, that does not fit the context at all. But secondly, if this is referring to two different births, born of water and of the Spirit, and water represents baptism, then what does that refer to? Because he says, except a person be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom So what birth is there in baptism if it's not making reference to spiritual birth? You see that? If you separate it as two different things, he says born of water and of the Spirit, and if that's two separate things, and born of of water does not include the new birth or to be born of the Spirit, then what in the world would that include? To say that you're born of water. Now I believe this is talking about a a single thing. I believe it's speaking of the new birth in particular, the spiritual birth, to be born again. And that's the subject of this portion of scripture. Now for those that would say, well, the wording is such that it's referring to two different things. Well, we've already exhausted uh, the two other possibilities I can think of and saw that uh, it would not be a correct interpretation and it would not be reasonable to conclude that either of those two interpretations I mentioned would be correct. So let's see how it can be referring to just the spiritual birth, although it says born of water and of the Spirit. So let's begin in verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Here was Nicodemus. He was not only a Jew. He was not only a ruler of the Jews, but he was also a Pharisee. That's very important. This was a Jewish man who knew well the Jewish religion. And he also had faith because it said that we know that thou art a teacher come from God. He wasn't in denial. He wasn't an unbeliever. He said, we know that you're a teacher coming from God. 
And I believe it's significant that he came to Jesus by night. See, it wouldn't have been acceptable for him as a ruler of the Jews or especially as a Pharisee, it wouldn't have been acceptable for him to be spending this kind of time uh, with Jesus discussing spiritual things. So he came to him by night. And when he came by night, he said, we know you're a teacher come from God. I'm not questioning that at all. And Jesus says, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I believe he's making it clear here that Nicodemus is born again. Why? Because Nicodemus saw the kingdom of God. He said, we know you're a teacher come from God. And so Jesus says, unless you're born of the Spirit, you don't see the kingdom of God. Natural birth precedes natural sight. I realize the sight is developing in the womb, but for purposes of what Jesus is talking about, that's the concept here. You don't see spiritually unless you're born spiritually. And so unless someone is born spiritually, they don't see spiritual things. Obviously, Nicodemus was born of the Spirit because according to verse 2, he expressed his uh, uh, confidence that Jesus was a teacher come from God. And then Jesus himself also made it clear that Nicodemus was born of God. But Nicodemus didn't understand what he was saying. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Of course, that's not what Jesus is talking about. But Nicodemus didn't know what he was talking about. He thought Jesus was simply saying that in order to see the kingdom of God, you must be born naturally twice. He needed a little more explanation, didn't he? So Jesus then says in the verse we started out with, Verily, verily, and by the way, that means truly, truly. Jesus is making very strong emphasis that spiritual life precedes spiritual sight. And now he says in verse 5, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So the new birth precedes seeing the kingdom of God, and it also precedes entering into the kingdom of God. If you see the kingdom of God, you ought to enter into it. And the way to enter into it, as far as the church is concerned, is through baptism. So if you see the truth, if you understand the gospel, you ought to enter into the kingdom of God. So here's the main question. Jesus proceeds to talk about the nature of the new birth. He says in verse 8, here's how it happens. 
The wind bloweth where it listeth, that is, where it pleases, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. You find out how one is born of the Spirit, you know how every one that ever will be born of the Spirit is born of the Spirit. There's one way. The same way John the Baptist was born again is the same way you were born again. The same way that David was born again, who was made to hope upon his mother's breast, is the same way you were born again. The same way that thief on the cross who uh, gave out bitter curses toward the Lord and, and showed no fear whatsoever, and then he said, Lord, when you enter into your kingdom, remember me, speaking there, not of the gospel kingdom, but eternal heaven, however he was born again, that's how you were born again. The wind blows where it pleases, when it pleases. God sends his spirit where he pleases, when he pleases. You hear the sound thereof, but you can't not, canst not tell from whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the spirit. So here's the question for the balance of our time. Why, in verse 5, does Jesus use the terminology born of water and of the Spirit? Well, remember, Nicodemus didn't get it when Jesus said, except a man be born again. He had no idea what he's talking about. So, as any teacher would do, he words it a different way. And he says, Nicodemus, here's what I'm talking about. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. To a Jew, water was often understood to be representative of the Spirit of God, representative of divine things. And believing that the Bible is the best commentary on the Bible, look at Isaiah chapter 44, and you'll see Isaiah do the exact same thing that Jesus did in that he transitions from water to the Spirit, yet he's referring to the same thing. Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 1. Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee, and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. Listen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. Then there's a colon meaning now he's going to explain it further or give you more detail. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. Notice he transitions from water to spirit, but he's talking about the same thing because he ends the first part with a colon. Not a period. He says, I'll pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. He uses water and spirit interchangeably 
to refer to the Spirit of God. Now, what is mentioned here in the Old Testament is described in even greater detail in the New Testament. Look, first of all, at John chapter 4. This is something you'll be familiar with. This is the story about the woman at the well. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Obviously, this is talking about natural water. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Now we'll see some more about what he means by living water, but obviously he's not speaking of the water in the well. That's not living water. And furthermore, notice in verse 11, The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? See, she responded the same way Nicodemus did. She thought he was talking greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. And why is that the case? But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Now notice what Jesus is saying. He says you drink of this natural water, you're going to thirst again. We all have experienced that. But he says, the water I can give you, speaking of that spiritual water, speaking of the Spirit of God, he says it'll be like a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Once you're born again, you stay born again. Once the Spirit of God takes up its abode in your heart, it continues to abide there until the Lord comes back. Paul said it this way to the church at Philippi. He said, He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So he says, This water will spring up in you into everlasting life. It'll stay with you here, and it'll be with you all the way into heaven. And then it'll spring forth like it never has before. Now, we all know we affect how much it springs forth here. Sometimes I feel like mine's just dripping a little bit. But we can quench the Spirit. That's a term relative to thirst, isn't it? We can quench the Spirit. But we never stamp out this spiritual life. 
And no matter how much we may have quenched it in the past, no matter how much we may be quenching it now, we can still tap into it and God will not limit how much he'll bless us with it. You see that? God's not going to say, well, you, you've really quenched it in the past. I'm going to cut back on how much potential there is for you to drink of this water. Aren't you glad God's not that way? Aren't you glad that there's times when you feel so little and so convicted and it's sometimes at those very times the Spirit of God springs up in you? You know, when the gospel was preached to the Thessalonians, it said they received the word with much affliction, but with joy of the Holy Ghost. That's a paradox that only a lover of grace understands. Receive the word in much affliction, but at the same time, joy of the Holy Ghost. So Jesus says to her, if you drink of this water I give, it'll be like a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Look at John chapter uh, 7 and verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Amen. Now here's, this is the same lesson. And he uses the same terminology. He's referring to living water. So when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus and said, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he was getting the point across to Nicodemus as a Jew who was familiar with water being used to refer to that which is divine, that which is of God, and in particular used in reference to the Spirit of God. And so with that in mind, let's now consider what he means when he says, Living water. In Isaiah chapter 55, notice this in verse 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat, yea, come buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread and labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me and eat ye that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Aren't you glad he says that you can come and buy something without money and without price? And that's the way it is in the kingdom of God. You don't have to earn God's blessings. You don't have to get to the point that you're worthy of Him pouring His Spirit uh, out upon you. He says, everyone that thirsteth. There are some people in the world that are not thirsty. 
If you're dead naturally, you're not thirsty for natural water. If you're dead spiritually, you're not thirsty for spiritual water. And based on what we've already said about the new birth where Jesus compared it to the wind, we know that uh, uh, individual elect children of God can be born of the Spirit at different time periods in their life. For example, the Apostle Paul. Here's what's interesting to me is it's said of the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts before his experience on the road to Damascus when he was getting those letters to go arrest the saints of God and put him in jail. It said he was breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. And then when he himself described the nature of unregenerate man in Romans 3, he said their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. He is talking about the way he used to be. So if people are dead spiritually, they don't thirst spiritually. Paul was not thirsty for anything spiritual when he was referred to as Saul of Tarsus. It was only after God born him of water. When God born him of his spirit. When God pours out His Spirit on him. That's when he began to thirst. And then look at Revelation. Revelation, the very last chapter, chapter 22. And I think it's uh, worthy to notice that this is at at the end of the Bible. Verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bride and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Now you remember Jesus referred to it twice in John as living water. And here's what that means. He says, if you're thirsty, whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. He's speaking here of water which sustains life. He's speaking of spiritual water that sustains spiritual life. He says, if you're thirsty for this spiritual water, which is the felt presence of God, His joy in your life, He says, you can come and take the water of life Freely. Now, when you're born of the Spirit, do you not desire the things of the Spirit? So it's just as logical to say that when you've been born of water, you thirst for that water. When you have been born of that living water. That's what the Spirit is. It's life. 
When you've been born of that living water, you're going to desire to drink of that water in the same way that when you're born of the Spirit, you desire the things of the Spirit, and it's both referring to that same particular birth. And notice how this is concluded in John chapter 3. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. It may be religious, but it's still flesh. You remember Jesus said to those Pharisees in John chapter 8, he says, uh, verse 42, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I myself, but he sent me. Remember now, he's speaking uh, to the Pharisees, some religious folk, and he says in verse 43, Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word, ye are of your father the devil, and the love of your father you will do. I don't have the authority or the insight to pronounce that someone is of their father the devil, but Jesus does. He said to some religious people that you're of your father the devil. The flesh can be religious, the flesh can be intelligent, the flesh can be Skillful, the flesh can be successful in the things of this world, but it will always be flesh. Until the Lord, according to His sovereign will, gives that natural man who only has one nature, and that nature is the flesh. He'll stay that way until God gives him spiritual life. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You notice how there's no mixture? If you're born of the flesh, that's all it is, it's flesh. If you're born of the Spirit, that's all it is. That, that new birth, that new creature, all it is is spirit, and that's why you're in a war every day. You don't have just these two natures and then they're blended up and they, all, they both cooperate and work together. It's not that way, is it? They are two separate natures. And one of them's going to be reigning all the time. The flesh doesn't want to have a, a, a co-reign, if I can say it that way, with the Spirit. That's why Paul said we have to crucify the old man every day. It'd be nice if we could permanently extinguish the old man, wouldn't it? But that, that's how it'll be in heaven. He'll be gone forever. I can't imagine what that's going to feel like. Can you? I mean, I, I almost want to say it, it can't be that way. How can I get up in heaven and not have evil thoughts, not be, when, when one of my enemies that quit speaking to me down here, how am I not going to feel that toward them up there? I just can't see how it can be that way. I believe it will, but I, I can in no way comprehend how that's 
going to be. You have been born of water. You've been born of the Spirit. And you'll never cease to be born of the Spirit. Let us live in such a way that we'll experience the Spirit. That it'll be like that well of water springing up. You know, the Israelites hewed out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. You know, a cistern's bad enough because it's a man-made container that collects water and then it just sits there. It's not like a spring of water. But if you got a broken cistern, that's of no value. It won't even hold water that man puts in it. And sometimes we're that way, aren't we? We try to find that water in places where it's just, it's not going to be. It's not out there in the world. The world is full of broken cisterns that can hold no water. But in God's kingdom, we can access that spring of water, which is referred to as the water of life. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.